Hello, everybody. Welcome to We Random Episode 7. The temperature's getting cool outside. The days are getting shorter. Uh, fall is here, man. And we've got fruit on the menu. A couple of different fruity topics. Apple had a big event. Pumpkin spices, you know, all over the place. And uh, it's even going to come into play in our special draft. You'll have to stick around and see what that's all about. We'll be back in just a second. Almost Qualified Productions. Your dose of semi-coherent babbling. Welcome to We Random, Episode 7. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to the people, Christopher. Hello to the people. So, as you've gotten to know us, today we're going to be doing like we normally do, where we're going to dive into more random topics that are going to be selected by our Wheel of View. We've got a lot on our plate today, so especially since this is not a podcast sponsored by beer, I think we should <laughs> get started. All right, I am spinning Z-Wheel. Uh, well, we're going to start off with football right off the bat. The NFL kicked off this last week, B. Uh, as a Packer fan, it was a pretty good week, but uh, what else happened this week in the NFL? So we learned that Ezekiel Elliott has a stomach tattoo that says, feed me with a spoon on the side. That was my (laughs) single favorite thing that I learned about week one. But there were a lot of things that came out of this season. Obviously, there was the Chiefs game where now we found out that one of the fans has COVID-19. We saw (laughs) that the Packers ended up, you know, decimating the Viking secondary and Aaron Rodgers isn't a washed up hack. Um, wah, wah, wah. We, we found out that, you know, Joe Mixon basically gets retired at halftime because uh, the Cincinnati Bengals get burdoed when Joe Burrow throws picks and they're down multiple scores and they just need to throw 60 times. So we've learned a lot so far. I mean, how are you feeling about that first game that the Packers had, Christopher? I feel good. I think it, uh, it really, it came out the way that I kind of expected it to. And what I mean by that is the, the offense, right? We had a lot of conversations about the offense and the offense really looked the way I expected, which is they came out and they just ran the ball, ran the ball and, you know, kind of more a short control passing game. And then they opened it up as, as the game went on. And I think the one thing that it showed, which you kind of already mentioned is that Aaron Rodgers can still throw the goddamn ball. And I think there's a lot of people who thought that he couldn't Um, let's be honest. Nobody probably in the history of the NFL has ever played better with a chip on their shoulder than Aaron Rodgers. He's played his whole career with a chip on his shoulder, and I think he came into this season even more renewed with an even bigger chip after we drafted what's-his-face in the first round. So I think he felt like he had to come out and make a point, and he sure as hell did. He definitely did, and I think that you know we saw in that game one of the repercussions that it seems like is coming out, not just for the Packers, but for every team, is that without that preseason, there's a lot of injuries going on. Like the Packers lost Kenny Clark in that game, and there were some folks who didn't even play because of hamstring injuries and other things. So it's going to be really interesting. The one thing that kind of showed up but also didn't play half the time were the hands of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who oh, could have God. had, you know, multiple catches had his hands not betrayed him. So that will be a theme to watch for the rest of the year. 
And then obviously the running game, Aaron Jones got a lot of those goal line carries. So his uh, reported death due to the quads of AJ Dillon is slightly uh, exaggerated at this point. Yeah. I'm going to jump back to MVS. So you said his hands betrayed him, which I think is hundred percent inaccurate. I think his hands are what we thought they were. They're complete garbage and they just, did what they do. They drop stuff. That's what they do. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not very excited about that guy. Well, I mean, we'll see. I know you have some thoughts on the defense. I thought Jair Alexander looked all right. I mean, obviously the garbage man can Kirk cousins got his garbage points late in that game. But I mean, I think the defense did some interesting things. It was odd to not hear anything out of Preston Smith. He basically got scrubbed from the, you know, tackle sheet, anything. But what are your thoughts on that defense so far? Well, I mean, we still gave up a bunch of points, right? So I think that you have to you have to consider that in the grand scheme of things. Even if you're looking at them at them as kind of garbage points, they still gave up a lot of points. I still love Alexander, man. I loved him since we drafted him. I, the guy plays with swagger. Um, he's going to take some chances, and he's going to get beat because he's taking chances. But the dude's a playmaker. Um, I like Savage. I got Kenny Clark, I think got banged up a bit. I don't know if it's a serious injury that would hurt a lot if we lost him, but you know, overall, I think they look pretty good. Um, I think we have to consider a, that they're playing against Kirk cousins. So he's going to give you some mistakes, but they Dalvin cook also didn't do a whole hell of a lot in that game. And that's huge for this team because God knows last year we couldn't stop the run if we were playing a Christian girls school. So uh, the fact that we were able to kind of bottle up that run was a super huge thing. Yeah, well, you, loyal listener, will know how this game turns out, but uh, the Packers are on to Detroit, so we won't talk too much about that, because like I said, by the time you hear this podcast, loyal listener, you will know how that game turned out. But we'll see how this Packers defense does against another uh, garbage man can, Mr. Matthew Stafford. So that's all I got on this. Think we should spin it? I think we're going to spin it right now. Let's do it. All right, so <laughs> we're going to switch from sports to kind of politic-ish technology stuff. So uh, TikTok, the social media giant, uh, has had a very interesting run over the course of the last few months. Um, and uh, it actually came out that initially it looked like they were going to be purchased, at least their American operations, by Microsoft. Now it's kind of looking like there might be either they're going to get bought or they're going to have a deal or something with Oracle. Um, what are your thoughts on this, B? I know this is much more kind of my area, but but what are your thoughts on this? So I don't know a whole lot about it other than the small bit of research that I've done, but it sounds like if they do this deal with Oracle, Oracle will be whatever they call the trusted technology partner or the provider, which basically sounds to me like we're setting up levels of middle management, right? Because it sounds like the goal of any agreement will be to examine the relationship of those folks who actually own TikTok, examine their relationship, limit what information they have access to, or even put other people on their board so that decisions are not just made by those individuals who are part of that company and 
are considered a threat to American whatever is being said by our current administration, right? So I feel like this, in some ways, is kind of, like you said, a political play in the sense where, you know, the current administration can say, hey, look, we got an American company to get this money, and now they're working with these people, and they're no longer a threat, and that's something that we did. So it's kind of like a notch in their belt. Whether it is or it isn't, I don't know. I don't know the technical specs. I think that's going to be where I defer to you. I know you have strong feelings that TikTok isn't doing anything worse than our local friend uh, Facebook is. So I'll let you start on with that. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to address one thing you said, and then I'm going to kind of take a step back. So yeah, I think a big, a big reason or a big part of what they're trying to do with this, right, is they're trying to just pull the the data and the operations out of out of China and put it in the U.S. Right, so so we're kind of the stewards of that data because um, they're very very worried that China is getting all this crazy data about um, Americans. But let's take a step back. So TikTok, for those who may not be you know up on the uh, that app, uh, it's a short form video sharing application. So people share all kinds of stuff. I mean, you can find anything on there. Um, I think it's probably most famous for people doing dances and stuff. Um, but there's there's a lot of motivational type things. There's political debates and conversations that are happening. There, there, there's all sorts of things. So a few months back, um, our, our good friend, Mr. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, was having a rally in, was it Texas, Oklahoma, something like that. And um, there was a big push on TikTok to like reserve all the seats for this uh, this event. Let's be honest, it was a rally, right? That's all it was. Um, to, 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 to request all the seats so that he would show up to an empty house. And as it turned out, it was a pretty goddamn empty house. On top of that, you know, TikTok tends to lean pretty far to the left. It, mainly it's, it's full of younger people who generally tend to sway that way. So I'm sure that our, our buddy Trump hates the hell out of it to begin with. Then you add into the fact that they, whether the, how, how much of an impact they had is irrelevant there is definitely a perception that they had this huge impact on his glorious rally for our glorious leader and and then almost immediately after that it's there this is a national security threat china's getting our data we need to put a stop to this okay fine and then he was putting all this pressure and basically told them i'm going to shut you down if you don't sell off to somebody in the united states Fast forward through all the different talks and conversations, and it just so happens, surprisingly, shockingly, amazingly, that the company that now is in line to be that that steward in the United States is Oracle, which just so happens to be owned by a super huge Trump supporter and, you know, uh, donators, whatever, right? This just reeks of political interference. This just reeks of, you know, this, I really want to say bad person. This bad person. I shouldn't say that word, but I'm going to say bad person who's just trying to push things in whatever direction he wants. And and it's just, it's, it's infuriating. And on top of that, if we really get to the technicals of it and, and some of the stuff that I've read, and there's been some security professionals who have looked at this, TikTok isn't doing anything crazy. The application is not doing anything outrageous beyond and above what other applications such as fucking Facebook, those jackasses, or Twitter, or any other of these social apps do. They're doing nothing different than what these companies are doing. But the issue is that he's raising a big fit because it's China, which has nothing to do with anything. 
And and the fact I I personally think this is nothing but another one of his fucking political stunts that he pulls left and right. There's another one that we're probably going to talk about at some point tonight. It's just political stunt after political stunt after political stunt, trying to get his base riled up and excited and engaged. That's all this bullshit is. There's nothing to do with this. That's a security threat. Nothing at all. I mean, I think the big thing here is we've hit the 11 minute mark and you're already riled up. So it's going to be a good night. So let's keep spinning that wheel and see how more, how much more riled up you can get. Well, I'm, I'm drinking. If that tells you anything. Oh, it is a beer sponsored uh, podcast. What are we drinking? Oh no, this is not beer. We're going back to that fruit uh, theme. I busted out the, uh, the apple crown Royal baby. All right. Crown crown royal apple if you would like to sponsor this podcast we will take that i did ask untitled art last two weeks ago and i asked spotted cow the week before and neither of those companies stepped up so crown royal apple this is your time well i mean considering some of the words that i dropped i'd be surprised if anybody wanted to but anyway speaking of things to get me riled up and angry um how are the brewers doing, B? Oh, how are the brewers doing? Do you want me to start with the good, the bad, or the ugly? Well, I mean, there's really only bad and ugly as far as I'm concerned, but you can start with whatever you want. All right, so let's start with the good. The good of the Milwaukee Brewers season is that they have 11 games left. And in those 11 games, they are just one game out of the wild card chase as of our recording this. Now, again, you loyal listener know a little bit more than we do. However, another thing that we know is they got no hit. And it wasn't just that they got no hit. They got no hit by the Chicago Cubs at home. Do you know what the saddest thing about that is, Christopher? Everything. The Chicago Cubs now have more no hitters in Miller Park, two, than the Brewers do one in their entire history of being a team the cubs and not even just in miller park right correct because the one no hitter was i don't even was it in miller park i don't think it was i thought it no, was, it was on the one road. the avis in 1987 i think yeah i thought it was on the road but they only have one no hitter in team history and the cubs have two at miller park yeah, at miller park so oh but they also scored 18 runs so that happened and there's a guy, you know, Dan Vogelbach, who is the local folk hero who has come over and he's hitting like 400 after going like two for 50 with the Mariners in Toronto or whoever it was. Like two weeks ago, we talked about him and the highlight video was him falling off pitches. But apparently he is now our folk hero. Well, we need somebody to hit on this goddamn team because almost everybody's hitting under 200 for God's sake. Like, how is that even possible that this team can be that well? We know why they could be that bad because we made a bunch of stupid ass decisions in the off season. Uh, but we do have a couple guys, you know, I, I could, I could rave about this team for hours about how bad they are and how pissed I am at the way they jumped in on some of these stupid ass free agents that we never should have signed that everybody knew was garbage. Even people who don't know a goddamn thing about baseball knew these guys were garbage. And yet somehow our brain trust decided to sign them. I could talk about that for hours, but let's, let's look at the bright side. Let's talk about Omar Nar- Narvarez, the guy I can ever – no, let's not talk about no, him. I'm going to get pissed again. So I have something for you though, right? Because you said how can this team hit this bad and still be in contention, right? Let's talk about Corbin Burns. In 2019, Corbin Burns, terrible. ERA of 882. It was the fourth worst ERA of anybody who threw at least 40 innings. Let that sink in for a minute. 
This year, his ERA has dropped to under two, and it is the second biggest year-to-year decline in ERA for a pitcher who has thrown a minimum of 49 or 45 innings. The only pitcher who had a bigger drop in ERA was Hall of Famer Roy Halladay. So Corbin Burns is doing something. Yeah, but that doesn't surprise me. You know, Corbin Burns has has got electric stuff, and last year was an aberration. And I was I'm not I'm not surprised at all. But that is a huge plus for us. I mean, he has been outrageous. I mean, he's been super super good. And and even Woodruff, who hasn't been amazing, he's really solid. So I mean, some of the other guys are complete garbage. But uh, I mean, even talk about Devin Williams, who is insane. I mean, he is by far the best dude out of the bullpen. He just lights freaking out. So there's a lot of positives here. There are. I mean, Burns and Williams and, you know, even though Yelich is having a down year, like he had a streak where he was getting on base like 28 straight games or something like that. So, and of course. He's up over 200 now. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's Ryan Braun forever season. It is September. So (laughs) you never know. He's one of the best hitters we have right now, which is insane. Well, I guess not that insane. I mean, he's a good hitter. So that doesn't surprise me. I mean, Eric Sogard surprised me. I never would have saw him struggling so bad. I mean, Jed Jerko, there's the, the yeah. or as they call him, jerk store. I love the fact that we're looking at a guy who's hitting less than 270 and we're talking about how great he is. That says a lot about this team right now. Well, let, let's let's uh, put it this way. Jacob Nottingham is probably our best catcher right now, question mark? Uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know. You might be right. So That's kind of scary. I mean, Orlando Arce is probably our, like, fifth best relief pitcher, maybe. <laughs> uh, how, how long did we sign that fucking catcher for? Do we know? I'm looking him up right now. I think he's still in his, like, arb years, so we've got him oh, for okay. a little while. Shit, we need to find, to find a way to trade him off. <laughs> like, maybe we could just, you know, sell him to somebody or something. I don't even know. Who knows? I mean, but it's in, it'll be interesting to see how they do as far as these last games. The They really did start the Craig Timber stuff where it's like every night it's another weird combination, whether it's Jace Peterson or Tyrone Taylor or, yeah. you know, at some point I wouldn't be surprised. Like Craig's just going to go out there and be like, well, I may as well give it a try. Like <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. And he'd probably be as good as most of the guys that we're playing right now. They'll send Jason lane out there for an at bat, former Astro. <laughs> They're like, Hey, go get one. Um, Oh, who's the guy? Oh, Oh, I'm blanking. Like I can see his face, but he was like one of those speedy outfield guys. He's now one of our minor league coaches. Like they'll send him out there. Yeah, and we could we could use pretty much anything at this point. But I'm done. I'm getting depressed. I'm spinning. The Let's wheel. go. Spin, spin, spin. We're gonna stick with Major League Baseball. So there's some issues about the video room. What's going on with the video room, B? So one of the things, and kind of this kind of ties into the Brewers, right? So there have been some concerns that players have in regards to the MLB video room because for 2020, it was resu- it was removed from consideration for players due to COVID-19, right? And you can't see me, but I'm making those nice hand-like quotation gestures because really this is about them cheating ass Astros, right? That's really what this is about, that they shut down the video room. And they said, okay, players, we're going to give all of you tablets and we're going to give you information on that tablet. But once the game starts, you cannot watch video. So there's a lot of people 
who are struggling with this. Like Javi Baez for the Cubs came out and said something about it. Some of the other managers have come out and said things about it. And it is one of those things where you're looking at a lot of these players like Yelich and Bellinger for the Dodgers, Baez, Pete Alonzo, Anthony Rizzo. All of these guys are hitting well below their career averages. And some of these guys are coming out and saying, hey, like, I watch my at-bats. Like, I see where my swing is. I see where this ball is ending up. And not being able to do that is really putting a dent in my ability to succeed. So I feel like in some ways from 2019 where, you know, everybody could go out there and hit 12 home runs. Now it's really switched into a pitcher's kind of game because the strike zone is bigger. We've had that as a side topic that even Craig Council has come out and said, look, these umpires, they're terrible. They're giving a giant strike zone and these players can't watch a video to make these in-game adjustments. So I think that's what you're seeing as to where last year, everybody was hitting 30 home runs and hitting 290. This year, you've got stars hitting barely 200 and you got pitchers that are just like, boom, boom, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, didn't I, didn't I read somewhere that they could still use a tablet or something to view their at-bats? They cannot do it during the game, though. During, so the, not game, during the game? No, there's no accessibility during the game. It's only that you can do it, like, after or whatever. So there's no in-game adjustments as to where before with the video room, you could just go in that video room and do like in-game. Okay. I just had this at bat against, you know, Jose Quintana when he didn't break his hand in the dishwasher and see what he's throwing. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's a very good point because I think that that is a tool that allows people to succeed to an, an amazing level. And I think the fact that you expect players to try to live Without that technology is insane. I mean, who? what do they expect people to do? I mean, they're going to end up trash like Mickey Mantle or Babe Ruth or Bob Gibson or Warren Spahn. I mean, how can you expect Jose Altuve to have to be a trash player like Willie Mays? That is insane. What the fuck are they asking for? This is ridiculous. I demand change. <laughs> So, I mean, you're making a good point, right? Because this is really taking this to more of a skills game versus a mental game. Because if you go in that room and you're analyzing this and you know what to look for, you've now turned baseball into this mental game even more than it already is. As to where if you can't review what's going on in game, it's your preparation and your personal skill set that's going to show through. You know, if you can't take the time during your off time and before and after the game and during the off season even to figure out what the fuck you need to do, if you if you can't do that, if, if you need all these extra special little things to swing a fucking bat, then you know what, Javi Baez? Maybe you shouldn't be playing baseball. Maybe you should just go coach a little league and call it a fucking career. I, I got I have no patience for this. I, I it, it sounds like a bunch of goddamn whining to me. Now Having said that, it is different. I get that, but it's different for everybody. So suck it up and move the fuck on. All right. Well, that's pretty much a nice cap on that one. So let's spin her. Yeah. Getting irritated. <laughs> Speaking of irritated, what, uh, I guess there's some kind of new thing with the Wisconsin State Fair or something. 
So I just put this on this list as kind of a fluff topic, so to speak. <laughs> Literally a fluff topic. Fluff. So the Wisconsin State Fair is going to be selling pumpkin spice cream puffs. Now, again, loyal listener, spoiler alert, if we have time, we're going to have a draft. And cream puffs are actually going to be one of the items in that draft for us to draft. But I don't think that cream puffs are that good to begin with. So I don't know that I'm going to be like, yeah, pumpkin spice cream puffs. No, the fair is going to sell puffs that are infused with pumpkin spices and powdered sugar topping. You have to pay $12 to get three of them or $22 for six of them. And it's one weekend, October 1st through the 4th. So if you like cream puffs, you can go to the state fair and buy these. And if you don't like cream puffs, you can completely ignore this story. You know, I'm I'm going to share an opinion, B, that I think you are probably not prepared for, but I think this is a brilliant fucking idea. Oh, it's this is such a great is. idea. It's amazing because you think about how much money they're going to lose out on, right? Because they don't have a state fair when people buy like 120 crates of fucking cream puffs. And on top of that, now you're adding in this pumpkin spice thing, which maybe isn't my gig, right? Like, I don't really care for it that much. I think you like it to some degree, but it's not my thing. But a lot of people are crazy about this shit. So now you add that extra angle to try to get people to show up and buy this. It's a brilliant idea. Plus, I mean, if, 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 you're, if you're willing to kind of take that step, what doors does that open up? Because anybody that's been to the Wisconsin State Fair or probably most state fairs know that it's just – like whatever ridiculous food thing that you can imagine, they probably have it there, right? Like, like I want to barbecue a, a a car tire and put it on top of a, a you know a hubcap, and I want to sell it to somebody. There's somebody will fucking buy it. It's insane the shit that they have out there. So I think this just opens up the door to all kinds of different possibilities, and this is clearly one that's going to be huge, right? Because people start talking about fucking pumpkin spice in like June and like drooling all over it. And it's all over Facebook. It's like, give me a goddamn break. People are going to be in line for this shit, man. It's a brilliant idea. I'm not going to have any, but it's a brilliant idea. I mean, I'll eat one if someone wants to bring me one, but I'm not going to be like, yeah, I got to go get one. But yes, you are correct. Brilliant idea. And we should keep it moving. All right. We're moving it. And we got a few more left, and uh, ooh, this is an interesting one. I think this is another one where I'm probably going to run my goddamn mouth for for a lot of time. But uh, do it. Facebook gaming, B. I'm going to let you kick it off, and then I'll jump in. All right. Well, this is your topic, but I am going <laughs> to be the MC, and I'm going to do a damn good job because that's what I do. So, Facebook gaming has found a way to allow partnered streamers to play copyrighted music they now will allow their partnered streamers to play from a selected list of songs, songs behind their videos and streams. So generally when a streamer is streaming, you have their video and you have their voice. Those things are supposed to be the primary content, but some streamers would like to use copyrighted songs or music as a ambiance piece. You cannot do that right now due to DMCA claims and other things, but Facebook has now found a way to allow their partnered streamers to play some different songs. And they will also warn their streamers if their streamers decide to play a song that is not 
part of this agreement because there's going to be a little pop-up thing that comes up for them that says, hey, you shouldn't play this song because it's not an approved thing. Because one of the things that you've educated me about is that there have been a lot of claims against Twitch streamers recently for using songs without consent. So I think that this is a very interesting play by Facebook Gaming to get those folks who want to use more of that ambiance music to maybe come over to their side of the house instead of going to Twitch. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to ramp it up a little bit and say this is a this is a next level move by Facebook, who, for the record, I abhor with every ounce of my body. Um, this is this is literally next level. So a little bit of history, which B already kind of jumped into. So the streaming world, really, it was Twitch for the longest time. Right. And then uh, that started to expand. So Mixer was in there for a little bit. They were never a big player. Uh, YouTube started to have streaming. YouTube's pretty big. They're, they're obviously everyone knows what YouTube is, right? Their their money's really made on, um, you know, pre-produced videos. And then Facebook started to get into it. And uh, there's a big shakeup. Facebook's gaining a lot of ground. YouTube's gaining a lot of ground. Um, Twitch has a lot of issues with the way that they run their service. A lot of the decisions they make are really poor. They they need to clear house in the in their uh, front office because the stuff that they're doing it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's it's like the old man company that's not keeping up with the young kids. So they're going to start losing people a lot. Um, but that aside. Uh, as B mentioned, there was a whole bunch of those DMCA claims, which is the Digital Millennial Copyright Act or something like that. Um, basically, you can't reproduce content that you don't own, right? So there was a, a lot of people who had clips out there that were saved videos where they had music playing. It could have been music that they were actually playing in the background. It could have been music in a game, whatever. And a whole bunch of strikes came out. Now, the way that Twitch handles this is if you get three of those strikes, you are out period. Like you are off Twitch. It doesn't matter how big you are, you're gone. So those three, they never go away. You get those three, you're gone. And obviously people love music. People want to play music. Hell, just today I read a tweet from Logic, who's a huge recording artist or was until he, he retired. Now he streams on Twitch. And he even said, dude, I want people to use my music on their streams. I am doing everything I can to let them do that. But his um, music company, whatever it is, recording studio or, or whoever it is that oversees his music will not allow him to do that. It's his music. He created it. He should own it, but he doesn't own the rights to it. He wants people to use it. He couldn't even use it himself probably if he wanted to. And so this is a big, big issue. So for Facebook, who's already gaining a ton of steam on Twitch to come out with this, it's freaking huge. It is so next level. And I got to give it to them as much as I hate them. This was a brilliant, brilliant move because this is going to, first of all, it's going to open up a lot of people on Facebook to have a much different dynamic with uh, their streams and with the people watching their streams. And it's also going to cause people to start to think about, well, is it worth taking that jump to Facebook? You know? So yeah, this is, this is super, super next level. And I'll tell you, Twitch is is definitely the the big bad guy on the block, right? A hundred percent. Nobody's even close to them at this point, but that gap is starting to close. And the more that they keep making stupid decisions, which they're doing left and right, and the more that these other organizations are making, you know, really smart moves, you know, they're not infallible. The 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 the, the lead that they have is not guaranteed. So Twitch better watch out. This is this is a super huge play. I was. I was absolutely shocked when I saw this. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's a Twitch streamer that I watch who plays some jams, but it would be nice to be able to play some non, uh, 
sort of some copyright jams instead of those, you know, free use jams, right? <laughs> That's very, very true. I know that guy too. And he's a, he's a pretty awesome guy. You know, I'm just saying. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I'm spinning the wheel. Uh, all right. So we've got, um, this is, this, this one isn't quite as uh, a fun a topic, but uh, there is uh, some happenings out in LA over the course of the last week or so. B, you want to run that down for us? So I'm going to be quick with this one because I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about it, but there was a video that came out of an LA police vehicle being fired on without provocation. There was an individual who walked up to the vehicle, pulled out a gun, and just fired multiple rounds into the vehicle. From what we know, the deputies who were ambushed are expected to live, but we also know that there were individuals protesting something who were allegedly blocking the emergency exit to the or the entrance to the hospital and were chanting, we hope they die. I wrote in our run sheet, WTF, like this is not the way that we should be treating other people without provocation. And I feel like this is just one of those things where they're, again, independent contractors. We cannot always trust independent contractors to make good decisions. There are going to be people who go to this level of all cops are bad cops, but I don't feel like this is something that should go under the rug either. Because if we're going to talk about how there's a police officer who shoots somebody seven times in the back, we should also talk about how somebody just walks up and tries to shoot a police officer seven times without provocation, right? It's about giving people that equal justice. Like something like this is just as sickening as a police officer who takes something into their own hands and shoots somebody seven times. Yeah, this uh, this whole thing there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of weirdness going on here, right? So, first of all, the fact that these cops were fired on was bullshit, right? Like we don't know who these cops are. I mean, maybe we know who their names are, right? But but as far as we can see, these are just just innocent cops doing their job. They get fired on unsuspectingly. That that's bullshit. People who are chanting "We hope they die" is garbage. It's complete garbage, and that's part of the reason why this, you know. Um, I'll call it the Black Lives Matter movement, but it's really more about the uh, the end to systematic racism and, and, and all the things that come with that. These are the types of things that are going to really hurt that movement because we shouldn't hope that every cop died. Hell, I'm one of my closest friends is a cop, for God's sake. I don't want that dude to die. And I I don't go with him every single day, but I think it's fair to say that he's a good cop. I don't know for sure, but I would, I would wager a lot of money on the fact that he's a good cop. Um, but... We, we can't we can't hope that all cops are dead right because not all cops are bad just like not all you know of anything is bad so i think that people who went to that that extreme are 100 percent wrong and it just damages this whole movement right another angle to this though that, that i think is worth calling out is and and I, I may get some of the specifics wrong but i think it was the sheriff or the police chief in la who like said he came out and he told lebron james dude you should totally match the reward for finding who this person is basically calling him out because of you know the, the stances that he's taken about different things for you know the the black lives matter and all of that which i think is a it's it's reckless 
B, it's fucking rude as shit. And it's just, it's like, what fucking gives you the right to stand up and try to throw somebody else into that? It, it's just, it's, it's complete garbage. It was, he was fucking baiting the guy because either you jump in and you say, yeah, I'm going to do that. Or now all of a sudden you're instantly an asshole. And I'm not a big LeBron James fan, but he's done a lot of good in this world. And to put him in that position is garbage. And the fact that this is coming from the same asshole who has people under him that uh, were taking pictures of Kobe Bryant and his kids, dead bodies and like posting it all over the place. Fuck this guy. Okay. Fuck him so goddamn hard. That is not a segment on our show, but it is now. <laughs> <laughs> we need a fuck him so damn hard segment. All right, that, sounds I'm far too, that sounds far too dirty for this podcast. It probably is. Um, we got we got three topics left, and I think we probably want to talk about all three. Uh, but this one is specifically back to football about the Big Ten, which is very interesting for a couple of different reasons. But B, kick us off on the Big Ten. So the Big Ten has decided after seeing Ezekiel Elliott's tattoo that they want to be <laughs> fed too. They said, hey, give me, give me, me that feed Dallas. me, feed me, because they saw all that money that the NFL is raking in, and they said, we want a cut of that. So the Big Ten has decided that as of October 24th, there will be an eight-game season. Conferences will feature daily rapid COVID testing as a focal point of return to play. An athlete who test positive must sit out at least 21 days and pass a cardio test before returning. So the um, Big Ten has decided that they will have all of these different metrics in place to hopefully make sure, quote unquote, that people are safe. So including they will look at the positivity rates both within a team and within that team's community. So for example, if a team rate goes above 5% or the population in which they live goes above 7.5%, that team will not practice for a minimum of seven days. Hilariously, the Dane County Health Department <laughs> recently released information saying that across their scope of testing, 42 players and staff from the Badgers football team have had have tested positive for COVID-19. So do you know what that means, Christopher? I'm guessing no Badger football. No, it means that the Badgers are going to win the yeah, conference championship because yeah. they're going to be the team that has the most Rona cases. They just got to make <laughs> it their 90 days and they're good to go. That's a joke, yeah, this- by the way. <laughs> this whole thing is just, it's its ridiculous. So I'm a Nebraska fan, right? And Nebraska has been incredibly vocal. They wanted to play football, which don't get me wrong. After watching some college football last weekend, I miss watching the fucking Huskers play. I get so amped for those games, but it's, it's reckless. It doesn't make any sense to do this. I mean, as I was watching those games last weekend, I, you know, part of my brain was like, hell yeah, college football, let's do it. The other part of me is like, look at all these fucking idiots in the stands. This is, and none of them are, I can't say none of them. A bunch of them aren't wearing masks. They're huddled together. It's just the dumbest shit ever. It makes zero goddamn sense. So I I just, you know, I I don't understand it. It seems stupid. It's 100% a play for money. I guarantee if you're sitting in the fucking room, you saw this goddamn Big Ten commissioner say, oh my God, look at that Clemson game. Look at the people in the stands. Well, let's see. There's just ready people. And how much did they pay? And how much money? This is a money play. It's it's fucking disgusting. And there's no way that things changed that much over the course of like a month or whatever it was that, that they decided we're not going to play and now we are going to play. It's, it's just fucking stupid. 
Right. It, it's a money play. And the reality is that they're looking at the NFL and they're looking at MLB and they're yep. looking at the NBA and they're saying, well, all of these are working. We can work too. The biggest thing about all of these things is these bubbles that they're doing are like the quasi bubbles. They are working because millions of dollars are on the line. And these athletes are being told, look, you need to sit your ass down. And if you do, we're going to give you this million dollar contract. Okay. I don't know that you can sit down an 18 year old kid who lived in rural Wisconsin. And now you put him in Madison where there are all of these co-eds who are like, Ooh, look at you. You're fifth string tackle on the Badgers. <laughs> and he's going to sit in his room when he can go and do a beer bong with a girl that no, this is no, just no. We talked about this, we talked about this last week. Even the people who aren't the fifth string tackle on the football team, every fucking person at the goddamn University of Wisconsin is out on fucking State Street getting drunk and doing beer bongs and standing on their head. Uh, they're all, they've all fucking got it practically at this point. Like the population in, in the, at the UW is exploding with COVID. This is fucking dumb. That's the end of my, my rant. It's, this is fucking dumb. That's all I got to say. It is, but let's spin the wheel and then we'll see what happens in October. Yeah, we will. All right, we got two things. Um, I did spin it, but do we want to go with the more serious topic or the less serious topic, B? I'm going to let you call it. I would like to go with the more serious topic. All right. Kick it, B. So there was a um, teacher in Burlington, Wisconsin, who gave a Black Lives Matter lesson to their fourth grade class. The fourth what? Grade- So the fourth grade classroom teacher shared a Black Lives Matter worksheet and resource material as part of a conversation about social studies. So questions included, what is a protest? Why are people protesting? What is systemic racism? And how can we stop systemic racism? So when parents found out about this, there was a meeting and some folks were really mad. Some folks felt like students need to learn about this and have these discussions. The school district said that while it was an individual person's decision, they are committed to creating more opportunities for conversation. They want to do that from a neutral perspective and they remind staff to use resources without bias, and they recommend that if parents have concerns about what their children are learning, that they talk with that teacher directly. So my thought about this is, you know, I have feelings, but I'm wondering, Christopher, for you, do you feel like this is a good idea, a bad idea? How should we be approaching this topic? Um, well, I, I think I think that, so, so I, might, I might surprise you is where I go. I don't know if the way that she went about it was absolutely the right way. I think that the the right way, all told, is to have a a solid curriculum put in place to discuss this. I, th- I think that's the way that it should be. Like nobody just like willy nilly teaches math or history, right? There's there's a curriculum that's kind of put in place to do that. So I think that that is the best way to do that. However, we are also at a time and a place where the type of stuff that she's talking about doesn't exist. There's no curriculum for this. And I would take that to the next step and say that it's, it's, it's anything related to race or, or black lives or any of that is incredibly um, limited when it comes to the curriculum that we have right now. So by teaching the curriculum that is out there, we're doing a disservice for people 
and for an institution and for a country and for a movement that is happening right now. And God knows if or when that's ever going to happen. And I think we're going to touch on that in a little bit too. So do I think that, the, that, that this is the absolute best way that we need to go about it? No, I think that there's a better way to do it. But I also think that it's something that needs to be approached right now. In fact, um, I reached out to my brother who's got a couple very young children himself. Eh, maybe not very young. Um, nine and seven or something. I should know their ages off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, but they're they're around the same age as these students, right? Give or take. And and I asked him, have you had any of these conversations with the kids or have they brought it up to you? And he said, no, I haven't talked to him about it. Why would I? And I think that that's part of the problem because I think kids that age are more than capable of understanding the situation. I mean, hell, I was I was in kindergarten and I had my best friend was was a, a black kid. And even then I understood that there was a difference between the way that we looked and it didn't matter to me. He was still my best friend. He was still the kid that I wanted to play with, but I could tell that there was a difference. And I think that acknowledging the difference is very, very important because kids are going to see it anyway. Um, Kids are also going to pick up on the fact that certain people are looked at differently, that they're talked to differently. They're talked about differently. All of these things kids are going to pick up. They're, they're much brighter than we give them credit for. Now they're not going to understand all the nuance of it. Right. But I think that that's our role as adults in their lives, as people that influence them and teach them to help them understand what those nuances are. So I think, in, and I've probably gone much longer than you expected to when you asked me this question, but I think that this is a topic that right now it needs to be discussed. And so I 100% applaud her for honestly putting her career at risk to to stand up and teach something that we need people of all ages and all races and all ethnicities and everything. People need to know what's going on. And so I applaud her for doing that. So I definitely agree with you. And I think the one lens that I have to come at this is there were a couple of questions in there that are a little bit more leading, like how can we stop this? And like kind of making the assumption like we need to stop this. But I do like more of those open-ended like why are people protesting? What is a protest? What is going on, right? Because having those conversations with those kids is important. And there's a lot of parents, and I think this is a parent culture thing. Now, again, you got two guys on a podcast who have a total of zero kids between them, at least that we know about. You might have some out there. I don't, but you might. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, we don't have kids, but from what I understand in parent culture, there's a lot of pieces in parent culture where people say, well, don't talk to my kids about that. I want to be the one to talk to my kids about that. But as you said, like if a parent is not talking to their kids about it, that's a disservice too. So I think having these conversations is good because it is sometimes a prompt where that kid might go home and say, Hey, like we talked about protests today. What is a protest, right? Like it's going to prompt those conversations in the house where hopefully the parent can then in an open-ended way, because what is a protest? You're defining something. You're not saying whether it's good or bad or whatever, right? But that's where you can also start to see bias, because if a kid comes back and says, you know, a protest is a violent place where people are looting and stealing things. Like you can immediately see that there's some bias that is being put upon that child, right? So I think it is a very important conversation, but do you know what I think we really need? What do we need? A more patriotic curriculum, actually. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's the thing that we don't need. So as you said, 
Um, there was something that came out from the Trump administration recently that they are going to launch patriotic education in a patriotic education commission because there are several measures that the um, administration wants to take aimed at promoting patriotic education and taking away toxic propaganda such as the 1619 project because they feel as though um, the left wing is viewing every issue through the lens of race in an effort to impose a new type of segregation. Now, one of my biggest concerns with this patriotic agenda is when we're looking at history, the history of everything is not always good, right? There's always good and bad. You need a villain to have a superhero. You need a failure to have a success. You need bad for there to be good, right? One of the things that a lot of people say, and I'll take this back to the national anthem, people would say, you know, the national anthem is about patriotism. Patriotism is not political. Right now, we are making patriotism political because we're trying to take history and rewrite it to say, here is America. America is this big, bold, great country, but we're sweeping all of the parts of America that make America under the rug, right? Because we can acknowledge America's challenges and America's failures, and then we can brand those into how we are being successful. But instead, we're, acknowledge, we're not even acknowledging that any of those failures or challenges happened. And my biggest fear is that if something like this patriotic commission comes into place and teachers and schools are basically strong-armed into using this curriculum, you know, our children are going to lose their ability to critically think because we as adults have lost our ability to critically think right now. We have adults out here who will say the media are liars. We have adults out here who will say scientists are liars. But the only person that they're going to listen to is the person in office right now. But when you listen to just one person, that one person can easily lie to you. So I'm not trying to say anything good, bad, and different. I'm trying to say you as a person, me, Christopher, all of you, I want everybody to critically think. Take in all the information that you can and make your own independent decision based on the information that you have. And stuff like this is ripping that knowledge right out of the hands of our children. And that disgusts me. Well, it disgusts me too. And I, I hearken back to what we just talked about, which is the fact that we have a, a public education system that right now is not doing justice to black history, which is American history, right? In a lot of ways. And, um, and now this fucking jackass wants to take it an extra step further. Like we're not doing a justice now and you want to like make it less doing just like, how does that fucking work? It, it, it blows my goddamn mind. And, and I've been out of high school and, and school as a whole outside of, you know, college and all that for a very, very, very long time. But I don't remember a whole lot of black education in my high schools. I don't remember learning much of anything. I mean, we learned about Martin Luther King Jr., right? There, that he always shows up to some degree. Um, but, you know, Malcolm X or Medgar Evers or any of these other things that happened, I didn't know shit about it. I, that, that was never part of our curriculum. It was much more important. We learned about Thomas Jefferson and, you know, the space program, or whatever the fuck else we learned about at the time. It's like it's already not a thing, or at least it's a very limited thing, and it needs to be a much bigger thing. And this fucking guy wants to make it even less of a thing. It, 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 
fucking blows my mind the way that this dude wants to whitewash history. It is fucking disgusting. It's oppressive. And it's frightening to such a huge degree because this guy just kind of waves his wand and makes all this bullshit happen whenever he wants it to happen. And people jump in line. And not only do they jump in line, but they fucking trumpet for this. They rally for it. They scream and yell and argue about it. I mean, even if you look at some of the comments from people who commented on the, the teacher who was teaching that stuff, it's just these are people who are ignorant. They want to remain ignorant. They want to make sure their kids are ignorant. And this is a problem. We've had this discussion before. I'm pretty sure we discussed this on the podcast. At minimum, I've discussed it elsewhere. But the only way that we're going to get out of this fucking garbage rut that this country is in, and I will say that loud and proud, this is a garbage fucking country right now. The only way we're going to get out of that is to teach our children, and I use that obviously very liberally because I don't have any myself, that I'm aware of. We have to teach our children, the children of this country, to be better than that. We need to teach children the entire history. We need to teach within reason, right? We need to teach them everything that's happened. We need to teach them about the things that, that have happened that have not been good, that are not positive. We need to teach them about what's happening right now. I mean, for Christ's sake, right now we are going through, and, and I am not a, a, a scholar on this whatsoever, but I would argue that this is probably one of the most influential and important racial movements that we've had in this country since the 60s. I mean, this is enormous. And the fact that we've got a teacher who's trying to teach this, who's getting reprimanded and nearly fired, there is calls for her to be fired. And then we've also got this fucking guy who wants to be a dictator. He wants to be Adolf Hitler in every goddamn way possible, minus a mustache, because he's such a fucking wimp. He probably can't grow a mustache to begin with. He wants to fucking whitewash everything. He wants to shut it down. He wants to, this, this just blows my goddamn mind. And it disgusts me and it worries the fuck out of me to see what the, what, the future holds for this this country. I I don't even know what to say. And I'm going to tack this on right here just because I think it ties into a lot of this. Um, I just saw on my phone when I should have been paying more attention to what Brian was saying um, that uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ginsburg just died. So one of the, the strong left-leaning voices in the Supreme Court just passed away. So the things that, that, that could happen at this point are beyond frightening well now that our podcast has been blacklisted by the fbi i think we should probably move on to our draft so that they can figure out which desserts they can poison us with we're not even going to talk about the apple event i i set it all up for every and everything well i mean we can if you're if you're okay with, so loyal listener we often try to keep this podcast to about 45 minutes for you we had a lot we're of already good way past that. We have a lot of good stuff today. So you know what? We're going to go Megalodon. We're going to, I'm sorry, fantasy footballers. I totally just stole your thing. Please don't do a like DCMA against me. I love you guys. Um, anyway, Megalodon, we're making this like an hour and 15 minutes. Please stick with us. Apple event go. Yeah. So I, I I'm excited about the Apple event for another number of reasons. Number one, um, because I'm an Apple fanboy. I, I will admit that. Um, although I do think, you know, it, it comes with, with some merit, right? I do think that they make a product that is generally quite a bit better than what their competitors are doing in a lot of different angles. But they, they introduced a bunch of stuff, and, and, and there's a couple of things that I think are really worth calling out. And I'm not going to go through absolutely everything. You can read about that on Apple.com. They market better than anybody in the world. So, so they, they will tell you about all their great stuff. But there's a couple of things that jump out at me. Number one, 
there's a new Apple Watch that has an oxygen, a blood oxygen sensor. It's not medical grade. And there's some people say maybe it isn't, you know, it's not the same as using a pulse ox or that kind of thing. But as somebody who has lung issues, uh, that's a super, super important feature to me. I bought the damn watch like an hour after I saw that it came out because that's something that is seriously going to help me with my health. And I think that's one thing that's really worth talking about is the way that Apple has really taken on health and they've kind of made it their thing, whether it's, you know, their health app, the way that the watch works, they've got a new fitness plus, which is, um, it's a new exercise kind of subscription that you can sign up for and it interacts with your watch and that kind of stuff. They have really made health a super, super important thing to what they do. The other thing that they've made, they've, they've really taken a stance on, and I know that it's a controversial subject at times, but it's privacy. And they've, they've doubled down on the privacy. We talked about a little bit of this on a past podcast where they're going to be impacting um, the way that certain companies or any company can track you and your data. And that it's really going to have an impact on Facebook. Another thing that I'm just going to bring up here, because I shared this to, to my Facebook and the people that, that you know, that I speak to there is uh, there's, there's new security warnings that are popping up on, on your iPhone. If you update your iPhone or your, probably your iPad as well uh, to the latest version. Um, and there's one where Apple is now requiring that companies ask for your permission before they can access other devices on your local network. And the thing is, the reason I bring this up is because it's, it's super important. That I think that people are aware of what data you're giving out um, what companies are asking for your data and why they're asking for it, right? So this specific ask that that Apple has included in this version is it's it's making people, it's making the application say, hey, I want to access some of your local devices. A local device might be maybe you've got a printer, maybe you've got a Chromecast, maybe you've got, you know, the Philips Hue lights that turn on and off or a ring doorbell. Those are things that are connected to your local network and these applications want to access that. Well, when I first stumbled upon this, the MLB app wanted my permission. And I thought, well, what the fuck is this? And then I looked at it and I'm like, the MLB app wants access. Why? Like, what, what am I ever going to Like, I don't watch videos on there. I'm not going to stream it to my Apple TV. Why the fuck do you need it? And then Facebook asked for it. And of course I made a joke about that because fuck Facebook. They just want your data. Um, and, and it's just, you know, and then I had another app, my podcast app. I pulled it up so I can listen actually to our podcast from last week. And not only did it come up and say why that it came up and asked for it, but it also had a reason behind it. And it said, hey, we use this in case you've got a Chromecast or something similar and you want to play your podcasts on that. If you don't have that and don't want to use that feature, just say no. That's legit what they said. They're like, just say no and don't don't give us permission if that's not how you're going to use it. And that's really what it's all about. It's about transparency, right? Some people don't care. People listening to this right now, you might not give a shit. You say, okay, so Facebook knows that I've got an Apple TV. Big fucking deal. I don't care. Well, I do care. And I think it's amazing. And I, I'm a big, big fan of the fact that Apple is kind of taking that stance. Now, there are certain things you can say about, you know, things that they do that maybe counteract that to some degree but in the grand scheme of things nobody will be able to convince me or anybody that knows what they're talking about that apple isn't much more secure than using other devices and i think that that's a very very important thing and something that i will always stand on a pulpit and spout about 
as I just did. Yeah, I think that's really important just in the sense that Apple is really giving you as the consumer the decision of who you're giving your data to. And I think that in some ways makes it more complicated for people because they don't want to make those decisions. They want those decisions to be made for them. But for more skilled users such as yourself, that is definitely a convenience worth having because you then are in ultimate control of who has your data and what data they have. I think... Another piece to this is that with the Apple Watch and the fitness option, I think Apple knows that with these smart watches, that's really where fitness is going because especially with the pandemic and lots of these other things, people aren't going to the gym. So they're trying to figure out what other ways can I work out? How can I track my stuff? They already have the Nike Plus stuff that's already kind of woven into some of this too. So they're definitely on the cutting edge of how can you use these smart watches for fitness? I mean, it's something that I'm even kind of interested in. I want to know more because I can do cardio all day. Like I love cardio, But when it's like, let's do strength workouts at home, I'm like, I don't want to. So if I can (laughs) pull up these videos on my phone or I can get an Apple TV and stream those videos to the TV, maybe I'll do them. I doubt it because I love cardio, but it might be a better option than me staring at this, you know, weight that I have and being like, well, my trainer, Michael, taught me how to do these squats and this and that and the other because without having someone giving me those prompts, like sometimes it is hard for me to get that encouragement to keep going, but I can just get on the exercise bike and go for 45 minutes because I'm having fun. So, you know, these are all different ways that they're hopefully able to engage with their customer base. They also have the Apple one uh, service bundle with some of their stuff, like their news and garbage, (laughs) you know, call it, call it what it is. Right. But Lots of, lots of options. And as I told you, when you were super excited about the event, wake me up when they're talking about the new phone so that I can have a phone that doesn't have that battery die in three hours. You got about a month. Supposed to rumor is uh, probably middle of next month. All right. Well, I will plan accordingly. All right. Okay. Now we are at exactly one hour when I looked at our recording, although it'll be a little bit less when you get this because of all our random stuff we talked about at the beginning, but We've got is that going to be how we have draft. to is that going to be how we have to cut out the word bad person and the word I don't even remember what the other one you used I don't know on. but I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm I was actually going to talk to you after the thing I'm I think I'm going to bleep out that word that you just said <laughs> okay I so, don't know I'm not sure yet. so now you're going to have to remember to bleep it out twice <laughs> actually it's four times because I think I said it three times. <laughs> And you know what? The funny thing is, I'm probably not going to bleep it out anyway. And then everyone listening to this is going to say, you didn't bleep out bad person. What the hell is your problem? <laughs> no, that's five. <laughs> now it's five. And now I absolutely can't bleep it out because then it would be too funny. That, right. that or this so, would have to become the, the uh, outro. Anyway, let's roll. Anyway. This is We Random, everybody. The, <laughs> yes, this is random in, in its entirety. So we've, uh, we've been doing uh, random rankings and drafts lately. Um, initially we kicked off with a snake draft and I confused B very terribly. And so last week we did a not snake draft and this week we're going back to the snake draft. So this week, um, I'm just going to name it because I didn't, I didn't really look through it a whole hell of a lot, but, um, B came up with a dessert draft. So he's got some rankings here. I'm not sure exactly where the rankings came from. So I'm going to hand it over to B to explain 
What is the dessert draft and uh, where did this come from? So this dessert draft, it is the most Google search dessert recipes from July of 2020 through August 2020. So this time South Dakota is in. So they turned off their uh, VPN and they were able to have that data reported. So there are 51 total responses (laughs) and we are planning to draft five desserts each from this list. And I feel like we should go the whole time because somebody should really get stuck with shitty ass rice pudding. But because we've already gone long, we're each just going to draft five. So I don't, I don't even know what some of these are. I, I had to Google some of them. So, so you're ahead of me because I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to do it right now and see if I can figure some of this stuff out. But the first thing we need to do, of course, is we need to spin that randomizer. We do. Who's going to so get it? Cue the randomizer spinning sound now. I'm totally leaving that in. I'm not putting in the other one. <laughs> We're randomizing it now. And the winner is Brian. You get to go first. All right. Well, if I have to go first and I have to take my 101. I don't feel like this is going to be the people's 101, but it's going to be my 101. I am an individual who likes Milwaukee Irish Fest. And at Milwaukee Irish Fest, they have, well, used to have, because they didn't have it in 2019 and the pandemic decided there was no Irish Fest this year. They have a dessert called bread pudding, and it is delicious. So I am taking bread pudding as my 101. The... Um, ranking for that is that there were three states that took bread pudding as their most Googled dessert. Are you familiar with what bread pudding is, Christopher? Uh, as a matter of fact, I make a very, very good bread pudding. All right. We, uh, and I was going to take that with one of my, my two picks here too. Yes. Uh, we, we, uh, we, when we were in the office still, um, we had a couple different competitions with, uh, with my individual team where we would make different things. And uh, bread pudding was one of the ones we'd made. I'd never made it before. I think I had tasted it once before then. Um, but I saw that it was dessert that I could put maple syrup and bourbon in. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm totally in on that. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy, but uh, I technically won. Okay. Like my teammate voted for hers. I didn't vote for mine because I thought that that wasn't fair. And then she ended up winning by one vote. So, <laughs> so I would have won. That's fair. So. So I'm wondering if at there there's an event that a friend, quote unquote, of ours is having, maybe that bread pudding can show up at that event. <laughs> what event are we talking about? Now I'm confused. <laughs> there There is a, a stream that is happening in oh, October for uh, charity. So interesting. We'll, we'll t- All right, you're going to have to. So loyal listener, we'll tell you more about that uh, later. But there's a stream that we are going to support as a podcast in October that will be supporting the local Wisconsin Children's Hospital and Children's Hospitals nationwide. So, um, spoiler alert, you know, we'll talk about that more later. But if we could pass that along to the powers that be, that bread pudding, if it would be there, that would be fantastic. That's a very good idea. All right. Well, one of these is a, is a no-brainer for me. All and right, uh, it's actually the, the last one on the list. Strawberry shortcake. Dude, I am all about strawberry shortcake. Okay. So I'm jumping on. That's not even a... Like that's in my mind, that's an undisputed number one. One state. Yeah, I don't know which state it was, but they are. I'm going to search it right now because they are a smart goddamn state. I might have to just move there. <laughs> Shortcake. Watch it be like Short- Alabama. 
or like it's uh, nevada dude i'm moving to fucking las vegas nevada oh boy i'm on my way okay um so the second one is not quite as good but or not quite as much of a uh, an automatic but as i was streaming through the list i saw homemade ice cream mm. and homemade ice cream is so much better than store-bought ice cream so i'm taking the the uh the homemade ice cream all right well you you kind of sniped me there because i was totally going to take ice cream i've actually tiered yeah. i've actually tiered my rankings so i oh did, have you i did a little bit of research here so you did a lot of research christ i mean I, I had a little bit of time before we started recording here so i put in that time so I have bread pudding, and to add to bread pudding, as I was looking through these states, I was like, hmm, what are some of these things that I could draft? And one thing stuck out to me, and I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Dessert pizza. So I draft dessert pizza because really what is dessert pizza it's a pizza crust which is delicious and then it has some kind of fruit on top of it and sometimes it has ice cream on top of it you can't go yeah, but wrong. I, got, I got the ice cream though you're shit out of luck on that one but. you do but i'm really okay with that dessert pizza so <laughs> after that i have a couple of options here and i'm a little bit torn because i feel like if i don't take one of these you might but I feel like I need to just go with my list. I need to stay with my rankings. I need to stay water, as they would say. And I am going to take dirt pudding. So, Woo, yes. <laughs> so apparently I did not draft the thing that you wanted. <laughs> but dirt pudding is delicious because you got them little, you know, crunchy like chocolate bits. And then you got the pudding. That's delicious. All right, Christopher, what do you got? Well, I'm taking peach cobbler right off the top. Fuck, that's like, what I thought you were going to take. Dude, <laughs> you know, God, any kind of cobbler is amazing. So I'm all about the peach cobbler. And the second one is something I have never heard of. Good old state of Kansas here. Sticky toffee pudding. Okay. Which apparently is a sponge cake covered in a sticky toffee sauce. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know what it is, but it also says it's best topped with some vanilla ice cream. So I got the ice cream already, and this picture, let me tell you, I keep wanting to say chat because of my streaming thing, but but <laughs> to those of you out here, if you are listening, you need to check out the link in the show notes and look at the picture of this sticky toffee pudding. This this shit looks legit, but I'm good. All right, all right. So my first pick is easy. I am going to take banana pudding because you can do lots of yep. things with banana pudding. You can do banana bread pudding. You can do like straight banana pudding, banana pudding. You can do a banana pudding cake. My wife makes a banana pudding cake for my birthday because I like banana pudding cake so much. And that was actually one of the top options as 11 states Googled Ooh. how to do different types of banana pudding. Now, I am torn on my last pick here because there are actually three things that I'm kind of thinking about. So there's something that I don't even know how to pronounce that sounds delicious. And then there are talking about the Yorkshire pudding. No, the Yorkshire pudding is not because that's like a weird savory. Like... Oh, you're ta- are you talking about the tart tatine? Yes. Yes. Tart tatine. I don't even know what that is. It is. Oh, I put it in the thing. So it is a French um, hold on, let me read it so that I make sure that I don't uh, 
mess this up. Tartatine. There we go. It is a French dessert made using apples. So I think that I am going to draft that because that sounds delicious. And I'm going to leave my other option on the waiver wire. And if that ends up being picked by you, I will give you credit for it. And if it doesn't end up being picked by you, I will tell the loyal listener what it is after your last pick. Why don't you just tell me what it is right now? Because I know it's not what I'm taking. Lemon bars. Oh, I'm definitely not taking no lemon bars. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm going to hearken back to earlier in the show, V. And I am taking the not pumpkin spice cream puff. Oh, you're taking the, you're, you're kind of, you're digging, it. you're digging in the garbage is what you're saying. I'm Dude, cream puffs are amazing. What are you talking about? Like cream puffs are fine. But when you talk about desserts, like, do you feel fulfilled after eating a cream puff? You don't just eat one cream puff, B. That's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> you eat like seven of them, then you're good. See, the thing with cream puffs, I feel the same way about cream puffs as I do about thin crust pizza. It's fine. Thin crust pizza's great. It's fine, but I don't feel fulfilled once I've finished eating it. That's because you don't eat the whole pizza, B. Oh, trust me, I eat the whole pizza. Anyway, <laughs> so to recap this draft, Christopher's team, strawberry shortcake, ice cream, Peach cobbler, sticky toffee pudding, and cream puffs. My team, bread pudding, dessert pizza, dirt pudding, banana pudding, and tart tatine. Things that were left on the board included rice pudding, which meh, um, chocolate pudding, which fine, strawberry pretzel dessert, which actually kind of sounded delicious. It did sound pretty good. Um, no baked cookies, dessert hummus, which was in consideration for me, and what the state of Wisconsin chose, and I don't even know what this is, Plum pudding. So, loyal listener, yeah, what the, what the <laughs> if you know what plum pudding is, please tell me because I don't. So, I hope you enjoyed that random rankings, and please let us know on Twitter at aq underscore prod what you think of this draft, and if you have any more ideas for us because Google can only give us so much data. So, eventually, we're going to have to draft <laughs> things that aren't from Google. Yeah, well, I mean, I got strawberry shortcake and ice cream and cream puffs and peach. Dude, you know I won. It's okay. You can admit it. We're good. We're good with that. I I really like my lineup, so I, I don't think you can go wrong with desserts. I feel good about this. Either. That's true. That's true. Although now I want right. dessert and I don't have any. And that I know. I don't. I haven't even had dinner yet, man. All I've had is bourbon. Well, we know what uh, we know what your iPhone is going to recommend that you do. Yeah, I know. It's probably, I'm going to look it up right now. First on the list, DoorDash. That is a new update in iOS 14 where you can have a widget that recommends an app for you. Yeah, and for me, it always recommends DoorDash this time of night. Mm-hmm. It tells you something. That's, that's exactly why I need the Fitness Plus app on the Apple Watch. <laughs> so, it, so it recommends DoorDash and then Fitness Plus. <laughs> <laughs> it should. All right. So we are at an hour and uh, 13 almost. Um, why don't we roll on to our uh, our end point here, our extra point. B, why don't you kick us off with that? So my extra point tonight is to think about mindset. Every day that you wake up, you have a choice. You know, life can be hard. There are things going on in all of our lives where we struggle, where we have challenges. But keep in mind, the one thing that you are in control of is your mindset. So please be mindful of that when you wake up today, tomorrow, the next day take that in your mind and make that choice, right? Because I, you know, look at this from my own life. I have lots of struggles with 
things. You know, I am visually impaired, you know, spoiler alert to those of you who don't know me, but you know, I deal with struggles from that. I, you know, am getting older. So obviously I have, you know, physical, like working out, you know, when I was 30 is different than working out now because I'm not making as many gains. Right. So, but you have to have a choice. You can look at things and you can say, I'm going to make a choice to react to the situation. There was a quote that I um, heard this week that really stuck with me. It may not be your fault, but it's now your responsibility. So no matter what's going on in your life, it is now your responsibility to approach that with a positive mindset. And I hope that listening to this podcast or talking with friends or family or other people or doing whatever it is that makes you happy allows you to be in a positive mindset. Because at the end, every moment that we spend in a negative mindset is only a moment that we're taking away from our life. So I hope that for this hour and 15 minutes, we've been able to bring you some joy and I'll plug my socials because I know if I don't, my buddy Ryan will be like, Hey man, you didn't plug your socials. So you can find (laughs) me at uh, landmark MKE on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you hear about the podcast. I'd like to get to know you. I'd like to interact with you and I'd like to just be somebody in your life because I feel like it's really important for all of us to connect at this time because we are all basically floating in this weird world and sometimes we just need each other to make it happen. Amen to that, man. So we had a uh, we had one more topic that uh, actually came up on the wheel at one point and I skipped it because it was my topic and it, it didn't feel like uh, the right time to do it. And, and it was an article that talked about seven things to make a good boss or that you wish your, your bosses would do or something like that. Um, and I want to feed off of that. I've, I've had the honor of being a leader throughout my, uh, my professional career. And one of the things that not even one of these things, the absolute thing that I love the most about being a leader. And even that I step into in my role now, even though I don't have direct reports is, is helping people, develop into where they want to be, helping people chase their passions, whatever that may be. Maybe it's your passion in your career. Maybe it's a passion outside of your career. Maybe it's a passion you have for your children or your family. I think that a lot of people don't chase those passions for a lot of different reasons, right? There, It could be a, a lack of time. It could be a lack of money. It could be a lack of the the ambition or the drive or the motivation to do that. Um, there, there's a lot of reasons why people don't chase those things. People like to dream, but a lot of times we look at that dream and we say, well, you know what? That dream's stupid. I can't do that. Well, you can do that, right? You you can chase those dreams. And not only can you, I think we must chase those dreams because otherwise we just get stuck in this rut where we're just doing the same thing over and over again. The day is exactly the same. Nothing changes. Life doesn't change. And I think that my personal belief is that we kind of die inside if we're not looking to to move and, and to develop and to get better and to, to chase those things that really move us. They're, they're, the, the old saying is, uh, you never work a day in your life if you love what you do or something like that, right? And I think there's some truth that you can glean from that, which is that that we need to we need to feel alive. You know, I live for some of the holidays because it's different. It's something to shake things up. I love sports because it's different. It's something that I can get super passionate and excited about. We, Brian has mentioned, and I've mentioned before that I'm streaming 
on Twitch. And I haven't decided yet if I want to cross streams and share the, you know, my Twitch stream or not, but it's something that's not very popular. You know, the most, most of the time it's just a couple friends who show up. It's a very, very small stream. I don't make really make any money off it, but I enjoy doing it. And it's a platform and something that I want to do. This podcast, Brian and I have talked about for years. It's something that I wanted to share. It's something I wanted to do. And it's never going to be super popular. It's not super popular now. It probably never will be, right? This isn't going to be a career for me one day. But it's some, it's a passion that I have. It's a drive that I have. And by by having these things to work towards and to pump my energy and my passion and my love into, it gives me something to really push myself forward, especially in those days, you know, like the last couple of weeks that I've had, where it's like, just everything that can go wrong does go wrong. I'm overworked. I'm stressed out. I'm I'm not getting enough sleep. Like all this garbage that I'm dealing with, it would be very, very easy, especially someone who's got the, you know, the mental health issues that I deal with that I spoke about last week. It'd be super simple for me to just fall into a hole and say, that's it. I'm done. I'm giving up. I'm over it. But having these things in my life really help propel me forward. You know, earlier today, and I know I'm running a little bit long, but earlier today, Brian reached out to me and said, hey, so are we going to record this around this time? And I, and my answer was literally, well, fuck. No, I said, I said, fuck me. Because my initial thought was I had literally just finished with an incredibly difficult day full of all kinds of, you know, bullshit that I had to get done. And I was just completely exhausted, met, uh, uh, mentally and physically and emotionally just spent. But you know what? I, t- I took an hour and a half. I smoked a cigar, I had a drink, listened to some music, and then I got pumped back up, I got invigorated, I got passionate, because you know what, I love sitting here, I love having an opportunity to to have a chat with my friend, and I love talking to all of you, you know, those of you that do listen, this is something that's driving me, and if, if, you know, it's been three and a half hours since I got done with work, and I'm ready to go, you know, I I could jump back in if I had to, that's what those passions give us. They, they give us sometimes that reason to live, that reason to go on, that reason to get excited, that reason to, you know, pick somebody else up when they need that. And God damn it, we need to chase those. It is so damn vital that we chase those. So my ask to all of you as I stop talking for, you know, an hour and a half straight or whatever it's been, find out what those passions are. Find out what it is that drives you. Find out what it is that that invigorates you. You know, people like to say, find out what gets you out of bed. I mean, I get out of bed because if I don't, you know, I'll I'll shit in the bed or something. That's no good. But find, find out what it is that, you know, if you could do anything, what would you want to be doing? What is the thing that pushes you forward? And go chase that, man. Spend, spend your every waking hour if you can. Just, just chase it. Just do what you can. Even if it's just small steps. Find a way to chase that dream because if you're not chasing dreams, you're not really alive. So that's my ask of you. If you want to hear more of my blatherings on, you can find me at big C underscore MKE on the Twitter. And thank you for being here, everybody. I super appreciate it. I know Brian does it well. Um, I really appreciate you listening. Yeah, and I would say this may be one of our best podcasts ever. And even if it's not, it's one of our longest podcasts ever. So you still win. So we're going to let this uh, fade out here. But until next week, I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Thank you all for listening. And we will catch you next week. See you, everybody. 
Ryan is going to be like, what did you say? <laughs>